Hey everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Heavy Debriefings Podcast. This is Josh Runquist here, back for another episode, and just like last week, I have another bucket list interview that I'm so thankful that I've been able to pull off. My interview with Doug Pinnock of King's X, talking about the brand new album, Three Sides of One, which is available now through Inside Out Music. In this nearly 40 minute long interview, I talked to Doug about everything I possibly can. Live shows, interacting with the crowds, writing music, writing with others, influences, so many different things that I've needed to talk about with Doug for such a long time because, like I mentioned, this is very much a bucket list interview and I was so thankful to be able to do this. And I hope you enjoy even a tenth as much as I did conducting it. So let's get right into it. My interview with the legendary Doug Pinnock of King's X. Hello. Hi, how's it going? Okay, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for taking the time to do this interview. You're welcome. Uh, well, first I got to say before I get started, this is a tremendous honor for me. Uh, I've been doing this for 11 years and this is absolutely an interview I've wanted to do ever since I started doing interviews. And I'm so thankful to not only be able to do this, but to be able to talk about what is easily one of my favorite albums of 2022 with a new album from King's X. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, not a problem. So with that in mind, I mean, the album has been out for uh, pr- uh, close to a few weeks now. How does it feel to finally have this album out now? You know, I, you know, everybody asks me that. They say, are you excited? And it's like, you know, we've been together 40 years and we've put 14 records out. It's kind of like having kids. You know, the first one is a big deal and you're, you know, you're all aware. But by the time you get to the last one, you just go, you let the, the other kids take care of it because, you know, you, you you got a good child here. So you just get on with your life, you know, and, and that's my analogy of it more than anything. It's like it's just another day to me. I'm doing interviews. We got a new record out. We did it. I'm doing what I do, you know, it's, it's, I get up every day and make music and think about music. And so it's just a part of life. That's why I see it, you know? And I can really imagine that. I mean, not only just from King's X, but like everything on your resume. I mean, you've been a part of working with such great musicians and a part of so many great albums and projects and bands and guest contributions over the years that I can understand how it does feel that way. I mean, it's it's got to be fun in the creative process. But once it's finally out, I mean, it's got to be a good feeling to to know that it's out and be able to look forward to the future. Yeah, you know, the, good, the, 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 the funny thing about it is if you do something, something all the time you just do it and it's a part of you and it's a part of your life and you wake up feeling fulfilled you know you you're doing what you do like uh, uh ronnie james dio said in your worst times is when you should be doing what you do the most and so it's it's all about the whole journey and uh, the whole adventure of it uh and you have the moments of joy and you have the moments of sadness and you disappointment or excitement but it's just a part of it and it just goes back and forth and so like i say i wake up every day and look for things to to be at peace with rather than to find negative things to to and it's a choice you know so making music is the same way some days you know i get up and i go man i want to write some music and make music and then sometimes i go you know i feel like retiring i don't feel like doing this anymore so so it's it's like the, the question for me because i'm 72 years old now i have so many analogies and so many different ways to looking at what i've done my whole life you know does that make sense oh yeah absolutely and you know w- with that as well too i mean there's so many different kinds of experiences that you can have <laughs> yeah. that as well <laughs> yeah it's true yeah i mean i've gotten the chance to just basically do what i've loved to do my whole life you know so with the new album um it's it is exciting because it's another record and at 72 years old i'm still making music and i can't believe that and so you know that that in itself to me is it, it doesn't make me excited it just makes me feel like you're doing what you're supposed to do and you're you've been blessed because you you're out there doing what you love to do a lot of people don't get to do that you know a lot of people never got to follow their dreams so i'm thankful more than excited you know 
And that's such a great way to look at it as well, too. And from the fan perspective, I'm very thankful that you're in that position to be able to still create the music that you want to create. And that's totally how I feel with this album. It feels like the album that the three of you were supposed to make. It feels so well-rounded. It feels like all three of you got to show off the kinds of music that you want to make between all 12 songs. And it just feels right. Thanks. You know, since we've been together for so long and and we've learned what we like, what we don't like, and there's there's never conflict anymore over it. You know, um, we we understand each other now. We understand how we work with each other and and the gifts that each of us has to make a record. And on this record, I think we literally allowed everybody to really, truly be themselves. And as they were themselves, the people on the outside, uh, the other band members, I mean, we rallied behind, you know, it's like when Jerry brings a song in, I want to play the best part I can for his song, not I got to have my tone and I got to have my thing. You know what I'm saying? It was more like we really wanted to make these songs the best they could from the imagination of the person who brought it. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And I, I can hear that throughout all the songs too. I mean, it, every song has like that distinct style to it. And I really appreciate the fact that whoever uh, brings in the song that the rest of the band really does feel like they need to contribute to make the song the best it possibly can be rather than just like showing off just to show off. Right. Right. I mean, it's a, it's a very important thing for us because in the past, um, you know, since we all write and I know I write a lot of music and I'm a, a control freak in some ways, you know, and sometimes I would get upset because it didn't come out the way I wanted it to come out. But instead, I, I, I should have learned to look back and look at it, look at the picture that the three of us painted as a piece of art. And when I started to do that, that's when I started to appreciate rather than you know, picking things apart or oh, that part wasn't right or I should have did something there or that, you know. Um, and, and it really, uh, it's a relief in so many ways, you know. I know that my bass plan on this record was like over the top. I play, I haven't played this much bass in any record, I don't think, seems like, you know. It was, it was just one of those times where we all just put ourselves into it, you know. Yeah, and I love hearing that. And it's got that instant replay value for me too. I mean, especially when I'm trying to dissect the songs and hearing what all three of you are playing, whether I'm picking apart Jerry's drum fills, whether I'm hearing certain guitar riffs, whether I'm hearing what you're playing on the bass and yeah, just hearing you go crazy on some songs being so subtle and other parts. I mean, you're, you're really showing off a great range with this album on the bass. It's so cool to see that. Thanks. And I think we're trying to do that with the whole record too. So and thank you. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. So, you know, with that in mind, I mean, obviously, like you've said that um, you're, you're constantly writing, you, you have uh, a lot of control over what you write. I mean, when it started coming into like writing for this album and what it seems to be like everyone getting a, a good chunk of the album to be able to write in the way that they want to, what was that like for you to be able to like share those kinds of duties with this album? Well, nothing. It wasn't any different than any other record. We bring demos in and play them for each other and and uh what we like we'll get together and work it out and make it a song and what we you know if someone doesn't feel the song then you know this song gets buried usually on a solo record <laughs> but uh because you know lots of songs you want to get them out but uh yeah that's how we do it it's it's pretty easy you know uh i came in with seven, 27 songs and, you know, what we do is everybody brings their songs in and we go down the list. We just play my song, Ty song, a Jerry song, and we'll decide you want to do this. And on this this time, there was not a song that we rejected. It was like every song we played, <laughs> you know, Michael Parnon, who, uh, who produced it, you know, we we're playing songs and every song we played, we liked. So we ended up stopping at about 17 songs and and we got, you know, well, I forgot how many songs, 13 or 14 songs in the record. And and we still got more songs left over and we still have more songs we're writing. So, you know, uh, it, it never ends with us. It just took us a long time to put this record out because we just wanted to make sure it was something that that was going to be special to the people that love King's X and not just another King's X record that we shit out, you know. 
Yeah. And I totally understand that. And I, I know I'm uh, so thankful to have been able to check this album out uh, well before uh, the release. So I've been oh, able cool. to really start to study these songs uh, even before it got released. And oh, I can just hear it through every single song, like every note seems like it, it matters on this album. Like everything has like a special tone to it, no matter how heavy it gets, no matter how melodic it gets, uh, how ballady it gets, like everything that's on this album does have that feeling that it's meant to be a part of this record and it feels like if you took anything out or added anything to it it might not have that special feeling behind it and true I, I think so um for us we just threw the kitchen sink in there and Mike Michael Parnon producer he sorted it all out um we didn't really sit down and go I want this I want to do that I want to create this I think it was just as soon as we played the first song I listened to the band track and I'm going, Oh yeah, that's King's X. I've, it's been so long since we made a record. I forgot. We have some kind of magic here. That's <laughs> our own, you know? And I, and I sat there going, wow, cool. And then we just kept making a record like, like little kids that we are when we make a record, we're like the little kids in the candy store, you know, we're just wide eyed and ready to do it, you know, have fun. <laughs> So, you know, thinking of that as well, do you remember what that first song was? Uh, I think it was, uh, I, what was the first song? First song was Festival. Yeah, first song was Festival that we learned. Oh, that that's cool. And, it, you know, it, it does have that great King's X feel behind it, too. And very tongue-in-cheek lyrics, which I appreciate as well. <laughs> Everything we do is tongue-in-cheek. People don't yeah. get it. People think we're so serious and we are totally jokers. Yeah, and it, it's such a fun song, too. I mean, whether you're paying attention to the lyrics, uh, getting the idea of what they're about, or just like listening to the, the music in and of itself, it's just like got such a great upbeat feel behind it. And I imagine when you guys start to if you guys start to play that in that live setting, it would just be so fun to hear that live. We've done some of the songs live and it's been a great response and we plan on doing almost the whole record. I think we can do everything with maybe two songs. Oh, that, that is, that makes me so happy to hear. I mean, every time <laughs> I've, I've gotten the chance to be able to check you guys out. I mean, of course you got the classics, but you also throw in other songs that I would never expect into every set list. And that's what keeps bringing me back is because I don't know what to get to expect other than an amazing time from you guys in that live setting. Oh, thanks. You know, we really only do songs that I can sing. Uh, uh, you know, at uh, as we've been together so long, and my voice changes through the years. You know, it's been 40 years. So there's a lot of songs that I just can't sing anymore because I was singing at the top of the stratosphere back in the day. And, you know, as you get older, your voice gets deeper. I mean, think about James Hetfield when you listen to the first Metallica record, then listen to now. You know, it's such a big difference in... Uh, uh, in the tone. So, you know, a lot, a lot of times they, the guys leave it up to me and says, you know, Doug, pick songs that you, you know, that you think you can sing and, uh, and I'll pick them out and then they'll, you know, we'll usually do them. Uh, sometimes I'll go, let's do this one. And Ty will go, man, I can't sing that harmony anymore. It's just, I'll lose my voice. I can't do it. I go, okay, well, I'll try this. We got so many songs that it, at this point, it's never really a conflict actually. It's, it's funny to me because, uh, again, like every time I've been able to see you, like that's never crossed my mind at all. It just it feels like you're putting together the best set list for the best <laughs> songs that feel right for the show. I never know we're, we're playing exactly what we want to play. Nothing else. I mean, I remember we'd work on songs and go do them at soundcheck and we'd get halfway through the song and go, fuck this. I don't, <laughs> want, I don't feel like doing this. It's just too much trouble. And we just stop and go, OK, take it off the set list, you know. Because every now and then I'll throw something in there that I'm going, you know, maybe I can pull this one off. Let's try Power of Love. Maybe maybe I can do this now. And we'll start to get like into a verse. And it's like the first song of the sound check and my voice isn't warmed up and everybody's playing rough. And we just all look at each other and go, hey, I don't feel like dealing with it. <laughs> we just <laughs> drop it real quick. It's been funny that we've done that before. But yeah, we are, you know, the... I don't know. You know, the, the funny thing about King's X is what I see is that we are really, really 
deep in thought at everything that we do, but it's not a conscious thing that it's it's planned or talked about or even understood. It's just we are a, a unit that seems to, you know, it, it's like when you pour water on the ground and it all goes to the, 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 it has to level itself out to a certain spot. You don't know why it does it, but it does it. And that's what happens with King's X. We like just kind of, we throw ourselves out there and all of a sudden it just settles into what it is. And for some reason, what it is, is something that people like. And so we just kind of go, well, if it ain't broke, let's not try to dissect it and fix it. And yeah, I, you know, it's just I'm thinking about that again from the fan perspective, uh, being in bands over the years mm -hmm. uh, myself and just thinking about what you three have accomplished, you know, through all the trials and tribulations of uh, being in music, I've always loved the fact that all three of you have such varied influences and different styles, but when you come together to be able to make music again for another King's X album, that you are able to find that common ground to be able to appreciate what everyone else does in the band, and you are able to level that, level that out and create such great music, and again, when I think about that when it comes to the, the new album, I mean, it's just like every song just has those great hooks behind it, and you know, if all three of you had the same kind of influences, it might not come out the same way. So I oh, appreciate that you're able to adapt that way. <laughs> yeah. Our, our biggest downfall is, is Ty and Jerry love the Beatles. And, and I, not saying I love the Beatles, I love what the Beatles did and I borrow from them heavily. And those, those that's one band that all three of us go, you know, you hear that. You hear Beatles and Kings X. You hear Black Sabbath and Kings X too, because all three of us really really dug into that the whole darkness of Black Sabbath as children, even though we're all different years apart from each other. And Led Zeppelin too. That that kind of vibe is always the the Led Zeppelin just told us all that you can do whatever you want to and make it work. Come on. Don't be afraid. You know, because Zeppelin, I mean goodness gracious, how do you describe them? You know, you can't. Other than calling them Led Zeppelin, yeah. I mean, right. it's just like their discography is so varied and you're right. able to appreciate so many different things that they were able to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And we just say we're a rock band. <laughs> exactly. And that's what I think about with you guys. Like, I can't put a genre on you guys and I love you guys for that because you do have so many different things that you're able to do. And, you know, just saying that you are like a rock band is a great way to be able to put it because you're able to hit so many different territories, but still sound like king's X. yeah i don't know it's just the way we are i guess oh. <laughs> i remember when i first met ty he put on a dixie dregs album he was 18 and played the leads <laughs> and i looked at him and i thought this kid can do anything you know i was just going wow and it's like that's what i love about terry uh, ty and jerry is that it seems like whatever you throw at them they do it they might not it might not be the genre that they listen to or they like but they can do anything that's what i love about them if i come in with a song that's just crazy math they'll do it but jerry still would love to play in a tom petty band and just sit back there and just groove and not have to deal with all that bullshit you know he's like i hate that shit but he does it because he loves me and he likes the song. And when he gets it done, he goes, man, that's badass. You know, we smile at each other because we force each other to do things that we would not normally do. Maybe not force each other as much as push each other into uh, uncomfortable areas. And and I think as as musicians is who we are. We're always up for the challenge. Let me see if I can do this, you know. Oh, yeah. And I can definitely speak from that from experience uh, learning drums from the King's X catalog. Like some <laughs> songs are just they sound like they're so simple. But when you really study what Jerry's doing, like some things are just maddening trying to understand <laughs> how he's able to like play some of those complex fills that just sound so simple or some of those uh, beats that are, are just like so dangerously uh you know fit together in the in an odd time signature but it feels like it's a natural four four i mean it, you can say that about all three of you i mean all three of you are capable of like uh all these great things that really trick you into thinking it's simple but it can be really complex sometimes yeah that's why i mean that's the kind of music that we've always loved is 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 complex music that sounds simple and i think it king's x has always been that way um from the beginning, uh, somehow we've always tried to put some kind of, well, basically it's on nuances that we love to do. And it's those little, little 
off things that we all do with our instruments. And for some reason, when we all come together, all those nuances uh, it, are enhanced, you know? So all of a sudden there's this thing that happens. It's, it's, it's its own voice, you know? Like when, when, when you hear Crosby, Stills and Nash and Young saying, you know who they are. Because the three of them together has that that create a sound that nobody else can create, and it's like when the three of us sing. It's it, it has its own ring, you know. It, it's uh, and so like when music, when musicians get together, if they can pour themselves into who they are through their instrument and their band members can do the same with their instrument and everyone gels and learns how to, you know, put it in the soup and stir the pot. I think that that the magic will happen. I think that the problem with a lot of bands is everyone's too busy thinking about themselves and, and they're not looking at the, the, the full picture, you know, and, and, you know, some, that's just the way we are, but some of us are lucky enough to stumble across those musicians that, that, um, that seem to click, you know? Oh, for sure. And again, just uh, from personal experience, I mean, that's one of my biggest takes takeaways from King's X is especially when I was uh, starting to learn all these uh, about different bands and different styles of music when I was uh, playing drums outside of uh, playing in uh, elementary and middle school band <laughs> uh, when I when I discovered you guys and uh, I, before you get before I discovered you guys, like I was all about overplaying as much as I could, like playing double bass, playing as many fills as I could, as fast as I could. But when I really started to study you guys, I started to understand the fact that you can be subtle, you can be so complex, you can do all these things, but it has to be important for the song, not just your ego, not just to show off what you can do, not just to show off cool bits, but it's got to be for the song. And you guys have mastered that over the years and you continue to do that and that's influenced me and i know so many other people over the years awesome thank you for saying that <laughs> oh for sure so you know getting back into uh, the album and stuff and of course uh, like you've mentioned that you've been able to play a few songs off uh, the album so far i mean what was it like to be able to throw in some new music into the set list oh it was great because now i don't have to do some songs that i've just been i'm done with doing you know <laughs> it's like over my head it's like i, I that song when i get done with that that's why i can't sing the next night because it's just, dude, I ain't, I ain't young anymore. You know, that was like, God, that's screaming and yelling and on and on and on. Um, so I pulled that out of the set this time. And Lost in Germany and Black Flag are two songs are like running a marathon. There are so many vocal parts and so many riffs and so many time changes. And, and it's to the point where if I don't breathe at a certain place, I'll run out of breath and kind of go faint because it's, you're really just doing a, it, it's like doing 50 pushups without stopping. And um, uh, those songs, I pulled them out of the set and put the new songs in. And it was uh, Let It Rain. Um, uh, um, uh, mm, mm, what's the name of the song? Where's my list? Uh, I'll give It Up and um, All God's Children. And we put those in place of those three songs. And all of a sudden, I got off the stage and I didn't feel like I was going to pass out. It was like, okay, this is good. Because the new songs are more geared to where my voice is now. And it's who we are. It's the pace that we, we are. So the more new songs we do, the more comfortable I feel I'll be and the better I feel I'll perform, hopefully. You know, it's just real rough doing a whole, really, really old songs anymore. Oh, that... That for sure makes sense. But, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about that as well, too. You know, like a song like Give It Up, I feel like that is kind of like running like a marathon for you, isn't it? Where, you know, it's just like it's got the, like that fast pace behind it, a lot of vocals behind it, a lot of bass notes. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. And when we did it live, I thought to myself, OK, you didn't alleviate the problem, did you? But... <laughs> I think in the other songs, uh, it's better. I didn't realize how much, because this, this, this is, the, I think, the only song that I have that many vocals in. I mean, I really spewed out a lot of words on that, on that uh, song. I, uh, 
like I normally do. But uh, I think the rest of the record is a little less. We'll find out, won't we? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I remember getting done with that thinking, okay, you're going to have to work up to this. But we only did all these songs uh, three times so far. And uh, we hadn't played in two and a half years. So just in that aspect, it was it was. Um, yeah, we have to get ourselves back in shape. It's just, and you can't do it unless you go out and play. You can rehearse all day long, but until you get in front of people, you know, that, that that's when the, when the adrenaline pumps up and, and your body starts to uh, get stronger. It's been a while. Thinking about that as well, too. I mean, what was that like, like the first time getting back on stage after two and a half years? What was that feeling like for you? We had to think every second. Nothing was natural. Jerry said his kick drum was doing things that his brain wasn't telling it to do. Uh, I remember I was running out of breath in certain songs and thinking, man, I should have ran some more. And I was mad because I got COVID about two weeks before we we played and so i didn't get a chance to really build my body up because i was sick and i was worried about that and uh (laughs) you know ty's got this uh, immune problem now and and so we did the shows and tried to you know he had to take it easy because if you know those three shows wore him out it would make him sick and his immune system would go down and he's still going to the doctor trying to figure out what's wrong with him so doing the, that first show, when we got done with it, we thought, Phew. and we went back to the dressing room and said, well, I'm sure we can do this. <laughs> <laughs> we all looked at each other and said, we can do this. You know, we, I just forgot that this is going to take a little bit more than, than we, we just kind of forgot. And the next show was better. And the third show became more second nature. And I actually had a good time. It was almost like playing normal. It's like, uh, it was, it's always a love-hate relationship. It's like you do your show, you give it your all, and you struggle through all the shit you got to deal with on stage. The sound, the tones, the things you can't hear, the... You know, sometimes I can't hear my voice. I can't hear the harmonies. I can't hear my pitch. Sometimes I hear myself sing off and I have to find that pitch. And then I'll, you know, and it's like, and I miss a note. And I look down going, God, I should, maybe I should get lighter picks because maybe I'm just not playing like I used to and go, you know, man, my, my bass is so low and I played that pretty sloppy. And man, I wonder if I should raise my bass a little bit or something, you know, that's what goes on in my head. Or we're singing the song and I'm getting to the second verse and I'm going, okay, are you going to give it a whole lot on this one or way, lay back because you got to give it your all in the third verse and you might run out before that, you know, and you're calculating and you're thinking. And then at you walk off stage thinking, God, we suck. <laughs> and, and then you go online and watch some, a couple live show, live songs that you do. And you go, oh, wow, everything's fine. And you just kind of go, okay, whatever. And you just say, this is our life, isn't it? We just don't get to enjoy what we do, but everybody else does. And they let us know and we walk away going, that's our life. It's always been that way. And, you know, in speaking of that last part specifically, one thing I've always appreciated about you guys so much is every time that I've gotten to see you guys is after the show, you guys always head over to the the merch table and you were you're always so gracious being able to do autographs, take pictures, uh, hear compliments from fans like myself, talk about uh, the great show, great songs that you played, uh, that the new album, whenever that happens. And obviously I know at times might be a little different. I'm not sure how the last few shows have went, but I appreciated that so much in the past. And I love the fact that you guys love your fans so much to be able to have gone out there and really truly appreciate the fans after the fact. I mean, especially after playing a whole set and just being so tired that you still had that effort to be able to go out there and talk with everybody. Well, two things. One, somebody came up to us. I think one of our, a merch guy, actually, he said, you know, guys, if you guys, cause I would go back there after a show when we didn't uh, do signings, you know, I'd go back to the merch table for a few minutes and hang out and just meet people and talk to them. And I always enjoyed it. Um, uh, but he said, you know, he came to the band and he says, you know, if you guys all went down there and hung out at the merch table, we sell a lot of merch. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, and we don't make a lot of money anyway doing what we do because we just don't have that huge following. So we decided to do it. one And we set a table up and said, we're going to have them 
uh, we're going to have a meet and greet. And dude, we, it was so good. People bought shit like crazy. And we got to talk to people and hear their stories and give them hugs and communicate with them and get, get back what we've given them, you know, really get feedback. They told us stories and brought their kids. And, you know, when they first heard us or their kids saying, I was in the backseat of my dad's car listening to you when I was three, you know, and just on and on and on. And it wears us out. It really does. But it was always so fulfilling. You know, we can't do it now because of the COVID thing. We, nobody, nobody does these things anymore. So um, it's just it's just turned into that. But uh, yeah, so it, it had twofold. It was we did it to make more money. And then the day we did it, we realized we should have been doing this a long time ago because this is cool. And yeah, it's, it's so funny because that that exactly worked on me. I mean, uh, uh, both times I was able to meet you guys, like I bought merch immediately after I bought shirts. Yeah. I, I, I'm looking at my wall hanger right now that I have up at my place. Like uh, I'm I'd look at pics and posters that I got like it absolutely worked. I mean, when mm -hmm. you show that appreciation for the fans, the, the fans are going to be able to show that appreciation back. And right. yeah, sad, sadly, right now, I mean, maybe we can get back to that at at some point i mean right now i imagine that's got to be hard to yeah do. nobody's nobody's doing that right now even we didn't do it the last shows we did uh because we're you know jerry's got him you know he had two heart attacks and ty's ty's got his problems so it's like sitting there you know blowing air at each other for hours and hours you know it does wear us out though because because talking to people uh doing the meeting it lasted longer than the shows sometimes and uh, and my problem is I like to talk and, you know, management always says, Doug, don't talk, just listen. And they'd ask me questions and I'd go into my spiel like I do now, you know, and then the next day I wouldn't have a voice. And that's the other problem I've been having is I just my voice just won't hold up because you're singing, you're screaming all night, then you're talking to people all night, then you go you go back to the, the hotel and hang out with your friends, drinking and talking until you go to bed, you know, so. <laughs> You know, I, I, it, it's such a hard, well, it, it's just hard to maintain, you know, because you love what you do. And then you get to an age where it starts to take its toll. You know, when we were 20 and 30, God, I'd scream all night long and talk all night long and stand out in the snow till four in the morning talking to the last person, you know, and, ha and with a cold. <laughs> and, and I, you know, we plowed through that shit. We had no problem. There were nights we would be so sick, we'd walk on stage and just 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 give it our all and you know there are times i'd say when i get done playing just throw me across your shoulder and drag me off the stage i'd say to my tech you know i just drop my bass and i just fall in his arms he dragged me off you know we had those kind of nights but we just that that's the i think that's the um, how do you put it that is the part of the drama of this exciting life that i've lived <laughs> You know, it's it's you do it all. You give it your all. You pass out in front of the people. You cry in front of the people. You you say the wrong things and get ridiculed in front of the people. You know, you just you just pour your heart out there because it's what you do and you have no choice. And that's kind of what we are. And that's why I love you guys so much. I mean, it's just all the blood, sweat and tears, the effort that goes into it to, you know, just, uh, you know, having to recharge your batteries, but being able to use like that full charge to be able to put on the best shows possible. And, you know, like uh, you talked about before, if that means switching out songs for others and just making that the best set that it possibly can be, and just uh, being able to save your voice and be able to go from start to finish and still being able to show off a great chunk of the discography and being able to show yeah. off the new stuff, playing uh, songs that I will always <laughs> forever love, whether it's B-sides or singles. I appreciate that so much that you can awesome. to do that. Awesome. You know, and this, this going out on this, doing all these songs, ties doing several songs and jerry's got a couple songs so so i'm singing way less than i ever have actually in this band which i'm kind of excited about in so many ways to be able to walk off stage and have a conversation with somebody without feeling my head's gonna explode because there were times when i i had to push so much out of my throat that i would have these headaches after i got done playing because of all the pressure that i was pushing and uh it, it, my chest would hurt because i was in my stomach because I'm the intestinal fortitude trying to hold those notes for so long. 
Um, you know, and then being off the road for two and a half years, you know, <laughs> I'm glad I don't have to do that much anymore, you know, and we were able to, you know, still, you know, do something that we feel people will love. Oh, for sure. So thinking about that as well, too. I mean, obviously, again, with the album being out uh, now, being able to play some shows, what I mean, obviously, uh, of course, there's some stuff going on with Ty and everything. And I know that uh, kind of through uh, tour schedules for a loop. But is there anything that is planned coming up for like the rest of the year, maybe in the next year? We got some shows coming up next month and the month after next uh uh and um because we can do like the weekend thing you fly into an area like we're going to houston dallas and austin and, you know it's a weekend thing we fly into dallas and we rent a car and a van and just drive to the different towns and then uh then fly home so uh, you know we try to tour as easy as possible uh, uh so those are happening but we can't get on a tour bus and just go out and just go for a couple months because uh um that's where the COVID uh, disease kind of thing happens is when you're cooped up in a bus for, you know, all that time. So we're not going to be doing that for a while, but, uh, and, um, you know, we weren't anyway doing that through the United States. We, we do, we do uh, buses in Europe because when you go to Europe, you got to do a whole month there. You're not going to fly over there for the weekend, come home. <laughs> you paid for the plane tickets. <laughs> that's about it. You know, so, uh, but that's a different story. So that, and that's why we've canceled a couple European tours is because it's like, uh oh, you know, we still got this at this, we got to be in this bubble, you know, we don't know how to do it uh, over in Europe yet. So, but, you know, sooner or later, we'll figure it all out. We'll be out there playing again. Oh, awesome. And I am glad to see that you are still, uh, if nothing else, being able to do the weekend shows. And I hope that we can get to some point uh, where, you know, COVID can die down enough to where touring might be able to happen more. But until then, I'm glad to see that there are still shows happening. Uh, Texas sounds like it's going to be a, a great time and, you know, everything else that's going to be going on in the future. And yeah, just knowing that these songs are getting that live promotion off the new album it just it makes me happy as a fan seeing that that is able to still happen in 2022 awesome <laughs> oh awesome well you know in, in speaking of that uh zoom is unfortunately about to cut me off but i thank you okay. so very much for taking the time to be able to uh talk to me have like a, a really cool discussion being able to go back and forth like this and talk about the new album available now uh, uh, I, I love all the videos that have been released for this so far. I, I love the choices of the singles that have been released as well, along with awesome. that. Uh, uh, I did get to check out like um, one full set. I think it was from one of the three shows where you were able to throw in the new songs. And I really love the way that they sound in that live setting. So I'm glad to see that that is happening. And above all, I'm, I'm just so thankful to be able to uh, talk to you. This is like, one of if not my favorite moments of being able to conduct interviews being able to talk to you because uh you and all of the work that you've done and of course everyone involved with king's x has meant so much to me since i discovered you guys back in the early 2000s and i just appreciate all the music that you continue to write that you're still out there being able to create music and despite all the trials and tribulations of life in general that you're able to just keep going strong and being able to release music for fans like myself thanks man we'll just keep doing what we do hopefully <laughs> and welcome back to the show you just got done here in my interview with doug pinnock of king's x talking about the brand new album three sides of one which is available now through inside out music and it's really hard to believe it over the last two weeks i got two of my final five of my bucket list for interviews conducted i only have three names left one seems entirely possible if i can do it right one seems entirely impossible because every single time i've ever tried to do an interview I've been told they don't do interviews, or I don't hear anything back. And the third one has not released music since well before I even started as that drummer guy now with heavy debriefings. But supposedly they're putting out new music next year, so we'll see what happens. All I can do is hope. And all I know is my gut tells me maybe. And as you can see, I'm in a little bit of a better mood right now, which I am very thankful for. So even when I do my mental health check-in, which is still going to have some dark stuff to it, I'm actually doing a lot better than I have been. I think part of it was talking to Doug Pinnock, and I think part of it was just, you know, the depression weight breaking. And I'm so thankful for that. 
So let's get into some stuff that I've been checking out recently that I've very much enjoyed. Starting with the movie Pearl, which I saw after I recorded this week's show. This past week's show. And I was a very big proponent of the movie that came before it, X, which came out earlier this year. I thought it was a great way to be able to do like a sexploitation slash horror movie set in the 70s, but oh, so perfect for 2022. And with Pearl, it is a prequel taking all the way place back in 1918 with one of the characters from the movie X. Really don't want to get into detail about it because it might give some stuff away, but it, it feels so cheery. It feels like an uplifting story, but then it does take some twists and turns that you just don't see coming and it becomes a very maniacal movie and I love it. I thought it was magnificently well done. If you like a little bit of chaotic horror from a place of mental health slash nature versus nurture. I think this is a well thought out movie to check out. And the great thing about it is if you haven't seen X, Pearl is not ruined for you. And if you've seen X already, you're able to appreciate so much more about Pearl and vice versa. So if you like this Ty West trilogy, which is ending with a movie coming out next year called Maxine, which is about another character from the movie X that will take place in the 80s, I think it is very much worth checking out. Along with that, uh, with gaming, I recently finished up again Doom and Doom Eternal on the Xbox Series S. I have both games on the PlayStation, but it's just so convenient when I have the physical copies of the PlayStation version, or I could download the Xbox versions and just play them that way. It's kind of lazy, sure. But both games run magnificently, and Doom Eternal runs at 120 frames per second on the Xbox Series S, so, you know, chef's kiss. Mwah. Amazing. Just like I've talked about before on the show. But since then, uh, actually, as a couple days ago, I started replaying the Gears of War series. Now, I skipped 1 through 3 since I played those way back in the day, and I still have my physical copies of those on the Xbox 360, but I jumped back in with Gears of War 4, and it's taken me a little bit to get used to. I think that might be because I went from Doom to Gears of War, which probably has something to do with it, but I am still very much enjoying it. I just feel like this was the kind of game where they felt like they needed to tack on a campaign mode because they were so much more focused on the multiplayer. And I could be very well wrong about that, but it just feels that way to me so far. I appreciate the campaign mode, and it's very, very fun so far, but I can see it kind of has that Halo feeling behind it where it just feels like they didn't put all into the campaign that they very well could have because the landscape of gaming has changed. Although I will say, once I finish up Gears of War 4, I absolutely plan on playing Gears 5. No, not Gears of War 5. It's literally just called Gears 5. But I'll be checking that out. Hopefully enjoying that as well. And yeah, I might as well talk about it since it came out after I made the show last week. Hell, How about that Maroon 5 stuff, huh? Yeah, lead singer Maroon 5 said, No hot chicks listen to metal. That's some good old clickbait, isn't it? Well... Mr. Adam Levine, you got more attention to Maroon 5 than you ever have, and probably your solo career as well. And in the entertainment world, especially with what you do, and especially since you didn't do anything illegal, you just, you know, did the very shady thing of cheating on your wife multiple, multiple, multiple times, proving that even Victoria's Secret models can get cheated on. All you did is just give yourself publicity. I don't even think you meant the words that hot chicks don't listen to metal. Of course, you didn't phrase it like that. You said it like, no hot chicks listen to metal besides you trying to get into one specific Instagram model's pants, trying to put her on a pedestal. I don't even think you believe those words. But yeah, everyone else is talking about it. I just wanted to throw in my two cents to say I don't think it's a big deal. I think, you know, obviously it's more of a personal matter that he's going to have to deal with, but just that little slight edge towards uh, crapping all over metal and women who listen to metal. 
anyone who listens to any style of music, there's attractive people who listen to any kind of music. So, I mean that... He, he was horny. He was trying to get into this girl's pants, so he just made up some crap. That's all it is. And I'm surprised it's even gone as far as it has. If you are a female listening to this and you were offended by Adam Levine's words, just remember all of the plastic surgery, tattoos, all the things that this twerp had to do to be attractive. Remember several, several years ago, he was doing like those proactive commercials where he was talking about all the acne he had and he was like showing pictures of himself in middle school and high school and he looked like Milhouse from The Simpsons. Yeah, that's who's saying you're not attractive if you listen to metal. Milhouse. It's one thing to be offended by words, but remember where those words are coming from. Don't let Millhouse ruin your day. And since this is kind of more of a shorter show, I just wanted to be able to show off this Doug Pinnock interview and just be able to talk about a couple things because I haven't really done as much. I'll just do my little mental health check-in right now where I'm just saying that I'm doing better. I was doing really, really bad all the way up to this morning. But I woke up today. I had a little get up in my get-go. I felt a little better today. I don't know what it was. I barely had any sleep. But for some reason, I feel better today. And I hope you are too. I know things are pretty tough right now and they continue to be tough for so many various reasons. If you are struggling right now, I can't blame you for struggling. Everyone struggles in their own different ways, be it personal matters, be it the world, be it anything in between. There's so many reasons to feel downtrodden. But you don't live for the bad days. You live for the good days. You live for the good moments. And even getting back into my interview with Doug Pinnock, like... After the fact, I felt so good for about 20 minutes after the interview was done. Then I sank so very, very low, and it lasted a few days. But again, I woke up today. I didn't do anything drastic. I didn't try to do anything that could cause some regrets or pain to others. You know what I'm talking about. I just don't want to say it for obvious reasons. But there is, there is hope. And sometimes it'll just take you waking up and your body will feel better. You just might feel better. And it's weird saying that for me because I'm so used to the last several weeks and months just feeling absolutely wretched and not wanting to be here anymore. But right now, it turned. And that could very well change after I hit the stop button here. It could change at the end of the day. It could change in a few days. So many things could happen. But right now, I feel kind of free. And it's a good feeling. And I hope that you can get to that point as well, too, because it's going to be different for all of us. There's going to be so many things. But again, just for me, all I did was wake up and it felt better. Nothing amazing is happening right now. I'm just recording the show, which I'm very happy to be able to show off the show this week. Don't get me wrong. But like, I have no interviews lined up for this week so far. And if that doesn't change, I have a really cool interview to be able to show off next week, which I've already done and is already up on YouTube. But again... I feel better, and that's all That's all we can strive for sometimes. And I hope you can feel that as well too, because if I can go from like nine, ten months of like pure depression pretty much ever since my dad died back in December, and I wake up today and I actually feel kind of better, it can happen for you too. I'm on your side, and there's a lot of other people that are on your side as well too, even ones that you might not think so. Keep moving forward. I'm glad I did. And now, to close out the show, I will be discussing the playlist for this week's show, episode 27 of the Heavy Debriefings podcast, in just a moment, although it'll be instantaneous for you, because I have to make the playlist. Be right back. And welcome back to the Heavy Debriefings podcast, where I'm now about to talk about the episode 27 soundtrack for September 26, 2022. If you want to check out this playlist, it is up exclusively on Spotify. Just search my name, Josh Runquist, that's J-O-S-H, space R-U-N-D-Q-U-I-S-T. And look at the brand new public playlist of episode 27 soundtrack 9 slash 26 slash 2022. And if you're not a fan of Spotify, either just click the Spotify link and see what songs I put up, or just remember the names I'm about to talk about. And let's begin. Starting with King's X with the song Flood Part 1 off the brand new album, Three Sides of One. Then I got a brand new single from Bloody Hammers with Phantasmagoria, which kind of feels like a great hodgepodge of everything I've loved about Bloody Hammers up to this point, and a little more metallic. I'm very excited to see where this is going to go. Then we got a brand new single from Avantasia with the Inmost Light, featuring Michael Kiske, 
of Halloween. Then we start getting a little heavier and a little more brutal with the band The Offering and their brand new single, Tiny Disappointments. Then a band that I just discovered making this playlist, a band known as Dissolution, with their brand new single, Tormento. Then another band that I just discovered called Dead Shape Figure, and with their very heavy song, Shadowcast. And we start to get a little more evil. Maybe it's just because of how it comes off, but you be the judge. Off the Cloudheads EP, I have the band Ant Oceans with the title track, Cloudheads. Then I didn't even realize that there's a brand new single from Tribulation. And especially after their lineup change for the last album, I'm very excited for where this is going to go. And this single has me very excited. The brand new single, Hamartia. Then we get into pure evil with the band's Trigoy. Featuring Gregor of Paradise Lost, formerly of Valenfire. With the brand new single, An Ocean of Blood. And then finally, one of the most depressing piano-driven songs that I've heard in quite some time. From a band that I just discovered called Decembre Noor. Featuring Aaron Stainthorpe of My Dying Bride. With the song, Barricades. And that'll do it for the show this week. Check out the soundtrack exclusively on Spotify, once again with the title Episode 27 Soundtrack 9-26-2022. And again, that'll do it for the show this week. Thank you so very much for tuning in and checking out my interview with Doug Pittink of King's X. It feels good to have a little more pep in my voice right now. I'm feeling pretty good and I... I don't expect it to last forever, but it feels pretty good right now. I hope just hearing that I'm doing a little bit better will help you out in some kind of way. Make sure to check out Heavy Debriefings everywhere you go on social media for Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, all under the name Heavy Debriefings. Except for Twitter, which I'm pretty much getting rid of since there's just no audience for me there, as I've learned. And of course, go to thatdrummerguy.com for everything Heavy Debriefings, including nine, my apologies, 844 interviews. I'll be hitting 900 at some point. I hope next year because getting over 60 some or over 50 some interviews in the last few months here, just a little unrealistic, but I'm sure I'll nail it next year. And above all, tune in next week where I'm going to be having a fantastic new interview with Nikki Law of Breaking the Law PR, where we talk about a different side of the music business, public relations. If you ever want to know how I line up interviews, if you want to know how albums get the promotion that they do, from singles to the press release work that you see that comes out, Nikki is one of the best, and I hope you'll enjoy that interview. And until next week, this is Josh Ronquist for the Heavy Debriefings Podcast saying, see ya.